Are you all right? Yeah, sorry. One second. My my boyfriend just texted me and asked if he could take the car, and I think I have the key. Hold this on. Go for it. Okay. One second. Sorry. Hi, sweetie. I'm putting the key on the stairs. <laughs> you should put that in. <laughs> Da, 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 da. I'm putting the key on the stairs. <laughs> I'm putting we just the key found, on the stairs. We're just, the we just found our opening. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of The Award Goes To with Patrick and Lauren, where we celebrate the films that have won Best Picture throughout the years and discuss the history of filmmaking one Oscar winner at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Pizzolarusso, and with me... As always, oh, what's his... with the sigh? <laughs> Lorena Lepra. Hey, Lauren. I'm so glad you could join us. Gee, How's it thanks. Going? Nice to be here, Patrick. Awesome. I guess. Welcome. Yeah, no, it's good to see you. Sure. <laughs> it's great, great to see you. Jeez. Oh, and today, we are welcoming one of my dear friends from New York. She's an actor and comedian, Alexander Kopko, to the podcast. Welcome, Al- uh, welcome Alex. Hey. Hey. I'm Hi, say- Patrick. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, more of Welcome this. Aboard. <laughs> Welcome aboard. That's how we do it here. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm so I'm so jazzed to be here. Absolutely. I, I want to say that everybody that I've reached out to, I've given them the list of movies that we're going to do, and everybody has chosen a movie. And the past several people were, weird, I never saw this before. I don't know why you gave this one to me. Like, you you picked it. <laughs> But I feel like you were the one that did your homework and went, yeah, I did. I picked this one. I'm happy to have watched. No, this was a very deliberate choice. I, uh, if Gregory Peck's in it, I want to watch it. And this, I mean, this this is one of the movies that sort of like solidified me as a young bisexual because it has Gregory Peck and Celeste Holm in it, who are two yes. just very hot people. I'm on. I know that's not the point of the movie, but wow, are they hot in this I movie. mean, it doesn't <laughs> I hurt. I feel like it doesn't hurt. And sometimes that it's is not, the point not of Hollywood. It's not the point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and on this episode, the award goes to Gentleman's Agreement, which won Best Picture in 1948 for the 1947 season. This is another movie based on a book on a Laura Z. Hobson, her best-selling novel, which also came out in 1947. It's also starring Gregory Peck, Alexander's. <gasps> oh, yeah. swoon. I love it. Uh, Dorothy McGuire, John Garfield, uh, produced by Zanuck, 20th Century Fox, directed by Ilya Kazan. And uh, quick synopsis. A reporter passes himself off as Jewish in order to pen a series of articles on anti-Semitism. And what he learns opens his eyes to the bigotry in the world around him. Can I say? Yes. Finally. A movie that I love. Yes. Ah, I loved it. Ding, 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 yes. ding, ding, ding. Now, me too. This, I, I also love Broadway Melody, but for a different reason because it was so awful. But was it for the monkey one, dance? It was the monkey Not a lot dance of crossover. Oh my god! But this one, I, I loved. I, I had loved a great it. Time. I absolutely loved every moment of it. I thought it was funny. It tugged on my mm-hmm. heart. I cried yep. a little bit at the end. Yes. Oh, it was great. I, I do have some things that are I. I'll probably will pick apart a little bit, but why not? But I agree. This is the first one. Oh, I mean, I also loved Casablanca. So that's, I know you oh, yeah, were like, yeah. you didn't like Casablanca a little No, I like Casablanca. I think it's just the obvious choice. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yes. we've, we've yeah, yeah, known yeah. it. I have Oh, so I'm basic. I also, yeah, like, that one's just in, in our culture. Like, it's just known. Yeah. This As one time was goes a by, big whoop. I think, especially since I hadn't heard, you know, the majority of these movies that we watch, I haven't even heard of, but it was a pleasure. 
This one yeah. was a pleasure. Pace-wise, it moved mm-hmm. pretty fast, mm-hmm. especially because their their patter too was super rapid fire at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're really moving this movie along. And smart right. dialogue. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed speaking of the dialogue, this was also the screenplay was by Moss Hart, who also was a playwright that a lot of us know from high school. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also the one who wrote and uh, wrote the play and screenplay for You Can't Take It With You, which was one of the other winners that we talked about yeah that was a good one previously no that was all right as a movie (laughs) i haven't mm. seen the film of it a film of it doesn't quite work as well as the stage play because they change stupid things if only they thought about how they shouldn't take it with them things to ponder yeah but we'll jump into this it opens by the plaza hotel in central park which i love seeing that it just doesn't change the fountain in front of the plaza hotel the abundance yeah does it look exactly the same yeah. Kind yeah. of, yeah. There's no, there's no Apple store. <laughs> hey, but... if it's not broke. <laughs> yeah, there's no giant If it's glass not baroque, <laughs> don't fix it. Oh, wah, wah. So this is one of the things that I'm going to pick apart with this. The recording of this, or I guess the filming of this, was really strange in this section. So whenever they were in a wide shot, it's clear that they filmed this in Central Park, right mm-hmm. on the corner by the plaza. But when they went to the close-up two shot, I could have sworn it was like a blue screen yeah i I think it was yeah because you could tell with the lighting which makes sense sound wise they didn't have the equipment to battle new york (laughs) so interesting that makes sense yeah it was just it's not jarring it but it's obvious when you go into a blue screen and you can see the line around Mm. people it's like around the little boy yeah i noticed that i think what what it was because i was when i noticed that i was like what is it that's so telltale and I get it because when you're doing a lighting setup, a very basic lighting setup, you have to do – normally you do – what is it? The three-point – you've got one that's like a key light and you have another one over on the other side. So it's like two 45-degree angles in front of you. And then you've got a rim light that basically provides like a halo that makes you stand out from your background. So it's it's mm-hmm. usually getting oh, true. the top of your head. So they're doing that. And I could tell that that was what was really giving it away. Was that there was this perfect little like rim of light around them that wouldn't have happened if they were really outside. Especially not in New York City. Right, right. No. It's not that it was jarring. You could just, just when they switch between like the two shot and the close up or the wide shot and the close up. Two shots um, in and you're like, bail. Done. Done. Boo. a grimace my ass. Did they get nominated for lighting? Mm. Okay, fair. They did not. They did not. And I guess they won Best Picture or whatever that means. Or whatever. This is where we meet our lead character, Mr. Gregory Peck. <laughs> Philip Skyler oh, Green. Is there going to be a swoon every time we say his name? I hope so. I don't know. Say it again. Let's find out. Gregory Peck. <gasps> oh, there is. Involuntary. <laughs> I love it. So uh, they're discussing, a father and son are discussing about how they just moved to New York. We learn that Philip's wife has passed away. So he's moved back to the East Coast, New York specifically. He's going to move in with his grandma, uh, hmm, move in <laughs> with his mom. And he's got an assignment at the magazine. <laughs> um, I love. I also do love the way we get introduced to the mom before we even see her, which is, I guess I got a slug grandma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The little boy keeps going on and on about how grandma keeps judging him. Yes. He's, For not he's having doing a girlfriend. this, he's doing that. Yeah, right. And when, when we finally do meet the grandmother, uh, first of all, they're late to meeting her. And she gives them so much. I actually love Philip's mom. Well, I, I love their love relationship. The relationship I love their whole amazing. family dynamic. Uh-huh. I love it. And I also love this. She 
didn't look like in my head I was anticipating somebody looking a lot, a lot older. Mm-hmm. She looked like a normal. She's a mom age, but yeah. Hollywood did go extreme and be like, "Well, uh, it's a woman and she's a mom." So, well, they did clearly, give her a gray streak in her hair, Patrick. A I gray mean, streak. Come now, and a myriad of health issues. <laughs> That's right. Rand. I don't understand the plot device. I totally forgot that. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there. But like, yeah, that it's weird. Uh, for a second, I was like, "Wait, what happened?" I don't. I know. Oh, again. Again? I know. What is she doing? I can't take this. So they meet up with uh, his mom. Philip has a meeting at the magazine, so he runs off, and she takes his son, Tommy, the grandson, to go get shoes, played by a very young Dean Stockwell. No! Yes! Al? Al. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I looked, and I was like, this I did not know that. What? (laughs) Love or hate Amazon, that's a whole other subject, but Amazon has the little x-ray option. Oh, I so love that. So when you that. pause it, it'll show you who's in it, and Dean Stockwell played oh Tommy. God. Sidebar, I'm watching Quantum Leap for the first time right now, and then I was on Twitter today, and and I had the ending spoiled. N- no. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, Thanks, I know that Internet. I'm decades out of the window, but like you, you are decades out. <laughs> well, I certainly uh, haven't watched it, so don't so, ruin it. I'm not going to say a thing. <laughs> I'm going to stay anyway, off Twitter. That, uh-huh. Yeah, stay off Twitter in case there's quantum leap spoilers. <laughs> I mean, uh, is it a spoiler at this point? I mean, I won't. It's a spoiler to me. Yeah. Aww. I will say, I believe they're talking about bringing it back. <gasps> and I don't want to say rebooting because who knows if it'll be a continuation or who. Who knows? But there's talk about some more Quantum Leap. That is exciting. It is exciting. I don't know how that'll work based on the ending. That I don't know about. Uh, you don't know I'm about. I'm the only one who doesn't and know. And the fact that Dean Stockwell just died, got us a soul, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so moving on. Anyway, Aww. back on track. But, but great. <laughs> no, no, no. That's great. Uh, I, I love the fact that I, it was Dean Stockwell. I, I And I love that like, he's had a career since he was... A little kid. And I will say, as an actor, I felt like this kid knows what he's doing and is playing older, almost. Yeah. Because he's had to parentify himself because his mom died. That's true. Layers. That's very true. Hmm. A very mature four. That's how well, he's not four. What is he? <laughs> he no, was four. He's like, a very mature four. There's no way he's four. No, that's four what years they old. talk about in the in the exposition in the beginning. He's Wait, four. He's not. He's not four. He's not four. They That's an 11-year-old boy. <laughs> it's Hollywood, guys. <laughs> what? Okay, Welcome so to they Hollywood. They say he's four? Pretty Do sure. They? Wow. Okay, he's a very- Are you sure they weren't saying he's grown up Maybe he's for his grade. age? Okay, so I found it. <laughs> Query. Query. Oh, how old is he? Laura? How old is he? <laughs> okay, so I misinterpreted because the, the line says- She's been reading the script. Do you still think of her, Tommy? So he's talking to his son. Tommy says, sort of, not all the time, just sometimes. How old was I when she died, Pop? You were four oh. years old. A long time. So he was four when she died, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's four years old now. So, so what? Probably like eight, maybe? He could be. He yeah. could be. Eight to ten? Yeah. He's in school, so he's at least he's he's able 45. To reach Come on, the guys. Stove. He's, he's got 45. a 45 soul. <laughs> yeah, he's able to. <laughs> He just moisturizes really well. <laughs> really well. Which yeah. makes Dean quantum Stockwell leap. like quantum close to 200. That's what they call the quantum leap. 
That's it. Sorry to derail, but no, I was very the, excited to find That's the you. most important part of this entire <laughs> conversation. I was like, I'm not crazy. I read something about being four years old. We can wrap this up now because okay, that's we're it. Done. Oh, we're done. Yeah, cool. This Good is job, great, guys. everybody. You guys got the message, right? You get it. You get it's a good it. movie. Watch it. Yeah. yeah. So Phil goes to the magazine. And I, I love in old movies that there's always the generic, I work for the business mm-hmm. or I'm going to go to the office. Go to the office. I work for the company. So he goes to the magazine and he meets Mr. Minifee, his new editor-in-chief and the owner of the magazine. Can I add what? a little fun fact? Always. Into this, <laughs> into this moment. So when he enters into the office building for his new job, the elevator guy who directs him to, to where to go and his back is to the camera is uh, Jesse White. And you may or may not remember in the 80s, Jesse White was the Maytag repairman in the commercials. <laughs> Remember the lonely Maytag repairman? Was he really? What? That's the guy. <laughs> I mean, what I, a glorious that is a career. deep cut. Yeah. I don't know. He was in all the commercials. That is so funny. That's but I remember, like, he was super iconic because if we yeah. remember, you know, Alex, I don't know how old you are, but I remember from the 80s, that commercial. There was a few, like Cadbury Egg commercial. That one was still rings true. That mm-hmm. one's, they still play uh, Where's the beef? Wendy's Where's the Beef, that still rings with me. It's in my heart forever. And the Maytag Repairman. Thanks, Jesse White. Wow. Thanks, elevator operator. Thanks, Jesse White. (laughs) Extraordinary. That's a fun little fact. I wonder what happened between that elevator job and and the Maytag repair job. Magic. What a life he must have lived. (laughs) The stories that he could tell. (laughs) (laughs) The producers and execs are like, wait. Wait a minute. That guy just pushed that button real good. <laughs> I wonder we how he'd think turn about on this for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. How do you think he is with top loading washing machines? <laughs> Open that lid again. Nice. That's how Hollywood do. That's uh, if anybody listening, that's actually the casting process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mr. Minifee invites Phil to a party, and he says this weird thing uh, to entice him to get there. And he goes, yeah, let's come to a party tonight at my house. There'll be girls there. And some people. He says there'll be girls there and some people. And some people. Clearly, he has an agenda. This whole movie is filled with people. And I wonder whether it's just the time period and people were pushy or it's the time period and it was polite to turn things down when you actually really wanted the thing. Mm. Because it's just constantly... Come to come to dinner. No, 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 no. No, you're coming. Well, I'm not going to ask and again. And there's going to be girls there. You should probably marry my niece. No, 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 no. No, you're going to marry my niece. Also, when, when okay. it comes to the, like, the ladies, have a drink. No, no, I shouldn't. No, have one. It's Sherry. Okay. <laughs> it, it just it happens constantly where somebody's like, no, I don't he want it. He literally says, it's just Sherry. Uh-huh. She, she's but like, she immediately is like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh, oh right. it's Sherry. It's just it's like a reoccurring thing. And I'm wondering, was Sponsored that- Sponsored by Sherry. Was that the times that people just dominated- each other or was it polite to turn it down even though you really wanted it it occurred to me that maybe it was them showing that he he was in new york now and this is how, uh, this is, how oh, is that happening. the way it new is new york, york city oh. people hmm. are bushy come on new yorkites is that how it goes <laughs> yeah you're told what to do every day people just every fact, day some... a man shows up and tells you you have to come to a party and there will be girls there <laughs> and people and people <laughs> there's also times where you just get caught up in the crowd and all of a sudden you're in Chinatown well, yeah, that makes sense. I guess I guess Oops. I'm in Chinatown for the day because <laughs> this is I, what happened 
I loved the way that the boss spoke. I loved that he reminded me of the producer in Singing in the Rain that just sort of like, hand over here and da ba da ba 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 da ba da ba da ba ba Everything he said was fast and with the exact same intonation, whether he was happy or sad or otherwise. And I just like had this image of him running lines with his wife at like 9 p.m. the night before the shoot and being like, oh, God, just one more time, Mildred. Just I can do it. And then just like, I, I just feel like his it's such a specific of its time <laughs> way of acting. It's well, it's that patter that that is throughout. It's very sort of fast paced, very clipped. The character of Anne Celeste Holmes, she has that too. She's very very fast with some of her her I dialogue. Love that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I loved it, how all the women in this movie had that. Mm-hmm. Like they were dummies. Not one of them no, were a dummy. Not one. They were all super quick-witted and could outpace the men. It was great. Mm-hmm. And in the, the dinner scene, there's we meet Kathy. Kathy is Mr. Minifee's niece, played by Dorothy McGuire. This is the one who Phil eventually falls in love with over like a matter of 20 minutes and they get married or something. And she's the one who comes up with the idea of this assignment for Phil, which is to write about anti-Semitism. He doesn't know how he's going to do it yet, but he's going to write about it. And... There's a moment between the two of them where she's suggested the story and he gives her a look as if to say that she clearly couldn't have come up with this idea (laughs) because she's a woman. There's a weird brief little moment and she kind of puts him in her in his place. I was thinking about that a little bit later about what you were referring to and how she's really, really perceptive and and reads his face. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that whole first conversation, she's like. I detect you're thinking this and you're thinking that as I'm saying this and rightly calling all of these judgments that he thought about her. Oh, she's this rich, stuck up, blah, 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 blah. And she says it's only partly true. (laughs) I think that's really cool because it also plays into what they deal with throughout this movie. So it's not just anti-Semitism. It's also the judgment of women and it's it's just all around. And it's kind of like how things flip. Mm-hmm. With her and him later on, yeah, F- Phil's not. She immune. actually is experiencing that in the beginning. I don't know. It just it came to me after I had watched the movie because it was something that I noted when I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, that's a really cool little juxtaposition there," where she's like, "Oh, well, you're judging me wrong because I'm a female." I mean, it is nice that right off the bat she asserts herself. We get an idea of her character, and then she kind of goes a step further, and we hear, we understand that she's divorced, and. Oh, yeah, and her ex-husband's there. Yeah, and it's not... Yeah, it is kind of awkward, but it's not... She doesn't carry it like it's a a stigma or anything. She just... Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm I'm divorced. It is what it is. Which also puts her in a position of somebody who's on the outs with society because Mm -hmm. that's also not very accepted to be divorced. Mm -hmm. But she plays it as if there's... It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. You know? So he accepts this assignment. The next morning, we have breakfast around the table back at his house with his mom and Tommy. There's a little box of grape nuts. Um, which <laughs> no, I didn't Tommy notice that. <laughs> purposely turns around so the camera can see that it says grape nuts. Is that product placement? Yes. It has to be. Which, again, Dean Stockwell, what a great thinking actor for a two-year-old. He's a Amazing. For a, a two-year-old two-year-old actor. Getting we don't know how old he is. Younger he can't even younger. read, and he knew to turn the logo. <laughs> We're not sure how old he's he is. He's just gifted. A prodigy. He's been, he was born talented, that one. Amazing. <laughs> Maybe he did a quantum leap into maturity. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh. That's oh, what happens at the end. <laughs> 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 
there is a nice speech here where Phil tries to teach his son about anti-Semitism. Mm. And it's nice that he doesn't really quite sugarcoat it. He doesn't go too far because he's still talking to a child. But he has this great talk about how basically there's different religions and there's different people. And it, it doesn't matter. But some people hate. And there's just hate in some people. I love how Atavi says, oh, but everybody loves Americans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, nobody hates us because we're Americans. Hmm. (laughs) And that's the American way. Well, but how great to include that conversation in a a mainstream film in 1947. Uh, Exactly. A film that they didn't really, it's not that they didn't want to make, but there were definitely some people that said, we probably shouldn't make this film. They didn't think it was going to pass the Hayes Code. There's a lot of people who turned it down. People were trying to suppress it. Absolutely. Cary Grant was actually first offered the role. Now, he's my, you have Gregory, I have Carrie. I get it. I oh, totally All right, get good. it. We have, we have a gentlewoman's agreement then. I, I oh. just watched Our Second Old Lace again. Oh, it's so and good. I was like, oh, I love him. Oh, it's more so good. Yeah. He's so good. Bring yeah. the baby. But I guess he, he refused the role Bring baby. because he contended that he was Jewish and thought he looked Jewish. Mm-hmm. And he says, the public won't believe my portrayal of a Gentile trying to pass himself off as a Jew. And also Gregory Peck kind of had like, I mean- he he's the sort of righteous actor. Like, Most definitely went on to be Atticus, which is why I love him so much. But like went on to be Atticus Finch, and like he was always very very loud about he was he. It, it makes sense that he's able to play this like very righteous man because he was like that in his own life. I love how his character is written because he's so unwavering in his righteousness, in his mm-hmm. belief that this is wrong. I don't care. And it, it does start to get to him after a while, and, and he gets bolder and bolder with, like, pushing against, pushing back to people. And we have a couple a couple examples throughout the movie where he he sticks with it. He's like, nope, this is wrong. This is this is so wrong. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's to a fault. Like, sometimes he starts to become, maybe this is just from watching it in 2022, but sometimes you're watching it and you're like, okay, man, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> This isn't actually, you're not actually experiencing this. So like, yeah, you're coming off like the, like the main character a little bit. Um, well, but his... I think that's also part of it. Like if they, if they, again, that this is a very 2022 perspective. This is sort of like a post, a post gentleman's agreement uh, analysis of it. But like if they had sanitized that part out and if he'd handled it perfectly, then it wouldn't have been nearly as potent, I don't think. And his friend Dave... Dave. Who is Jewish? The, John Garfield. Uh, and he wanted to do it because he's like, I am Jewish. I would like to be yeah. in this movie. He actually says to him, he's like, look, you're trying to force something to happen. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's really it's really interesting how he decides to be Jewish. He just goes up to people and he's like, hi, my name is Phil Green. Uh, I'm Jewish. I love it in the boardroom. <laughs> it was awesome. It's not they're like, like, oh, we're going to do this book. And all of the people are like, rah, 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 rah. And like it doesn't even come up at all. He just (laughs) and this scene. Oh, and and I'm Jewish. And I'm Jewish. (laughs) Cut scene. There's well, there's a character sitting next to him who is Jewish and just kind of like looks up at him and be like, "We don't say that. (laughs) Jews don't say that. We just don't." This is how I know you're not (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Your Gentile is showing. We have the most, I don't want to say the most bizarre plot device, but a plot device that I don't understand. It's its the mother's ailments. Yeah, I understand. I also had some questions when it first started happening. And my first reaction to when she was having those heart problems was like, no, I 
love her so much. I love her. Don't get rid of her. But then I saw it was a device in that when he when she heals from those that for that what was it called false angina. Yeah. Isn't angina yeah. just angina? How could it be I, false angina? There's no false That sounds like man talking. He's literally, the doctor's literally pain. lighting a cigarette outside. Oh, I know, He's like, I know. I think there's something wrong with your mom's ticker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but how don't ask me. I'm not a doctor, but isn't angina <laughs> chest pain? Mm-hmm. So if she's experiencing yeah. chest pain that is angina, how could it be false angina? I don't know. Well, you anyway. know women. They, they're they always saying things hurt. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Being melodramatic, she's probably on her period. I was just going to say that. Her period. <laughs> no, it would have been better if Patrick did. But uh, I, yeah. So I also had the same thought, and then I was like, oh, when when she heals and he comes in, she talks about how scared she was and how sharp mm. the pain was, and that was when he's like, oh, well, I I would never have an idea of what that felt like, and that's when the light bulb goes off. You're right. Mm-hmm. And he has the idea to be like, oh, I will never know what it's like to be Jewish unless I were Jewish. So I th- I feel like that that was the reason why. And when well, he I was think... sort of gripping her wrists and sort of shouting his theory at her, I was like, <laughs> OK, that's nice, honey. I just had an almost heart attack. Can you get me <laughs> oh, some no, no. water? It was a fake angina, so don't oh, worry yeah. about it. I had a little You're lady fine. whoopsie. <laughs> I had a little lady chest oopsie daisy. Can can you can you take it down a notch? <laughs> A lady oopsies. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to use that from now on. It's just having a lady oopsie. Oh, oh, oh. All right. You know what? <laughs> Could mean Take anything. Off. Yeah. <laughs> People won't ask questions. Nobody wants right. to know what that means. <laughs> Alexandra's not in the office today. Lady oopsies. Lady oh. oh. We should Ooh. send her flowers. <laughs> Makes people uncomfortable. It does. <laughs> I love it. After this, after the heart attack, Lauren said uh, he gets the idea of I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend to be Jewish. I'm gonna go undercover as a Jewish person and see what it's like. He's decided this, and he hasn't told anybody else except for his mom. And I, I'm assuming he's told his son and his editor and Mr. Minifee, but he hasn't told Kathy because she comes over and there's weird awkwardness with them right away they have a kiss and it's like an awkward kiss is this where she's sitting down and he is sort of bent over her and then they (laughs) smash their faces together and then they run to different rooms and then they're like well i guess we have to get married that's (laughs) after three days of knowing each other yeah and that's like how long has this been going on and it's been a week i think i think he's only been in town for a week i was wrestling with this today because i was like okay one of them is a widower. The other one is divorced. It's not like they're virgins. Sure. Clearly Why he's got are a they kid. being so, why is this reaction like, we kissed, we must get married? What, like, <laughs> I've, I sort of read it as sort of like prudish at first. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, I think maybe that's the script saying like, it's love at first sight. Yeah. And, they're, and that's what's scaring them. But like, at first I was like, they, it's just a kiss. You don't have to get married. No. Yeah. That's not where babies come from. That's not how that happens. The next scene, I kind of like how this is shot because it is, uh, it's an outside shot. It's its Philip outside Mr. Minifee's office and we don't, we can't hear what's going on inside. We just sort of see a dumb show and I really like stuff like that. Like there's, there's something is happening inside and then we sort of move into the end of that story and the beginning of this. And so I like that it, it always feels to me like there's there's motion, there's action when stuff like that happens, as opposed to just someone walking into a room going, I'm starting the scene now. <laughs> there's something that's been happening that ends as the next scene starts. And I really liked, I liked watching that. 
But then I also thought, where is this office in New York that he's got like this oh, I know. outside balcony <laughs> patio glass office? Gorgeous. It's beautiful. Isn't that how things are in New York? Like, isn't it like, like how did friends have such a nice... No. Living accommodation, that sort of thing. <laughs> Everybody's like glorifies no, what you can actually buy for your money in New York. Friends was New York by way of Burbank. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It was set in New York, right? I never watched Friends. Yes. Yeah. You never watched Friends? All right. Well, Not my bag. Let's let's put this movie aside. Um, <laughs> got some things to say. Let um, me spoil the ending for you. No. And then this way. Wait, do they turn out to be friends? They're friends all <laughs> <What>? along. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought when I saw this terrace. I was like, oh, 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 this magazine got money. Yeah. Where is it? There's a couple I'm moments. I'm guessing like, it's like. Live? But a tri- like, well, probably not Tribeca, but like, I don't know. Chelsea, maybe. I well, think so. At this point in time, it could have been Midtown. It probably, if he's a, a publisher, it probably was sort of Midtown. Maybe mm-hmm. it could have been in the fifties. Yeah, somewhere there could be a terrace somewhere in the fifties. Also, some of those we like, don't with know. the old. Um, oh, what was it? The old McGraw Hill building is is a great example of mm. um, Art Deco, and it's very stepped, kind of like the Empire State Building, but mm-hmm. but it's a little bit squatter and fatter. And so it could be that those different steps are balconies and terraces that look out. I don't know. I wanted it. I saw that it was the thing. I like I want to live there. Yeah, they had. There was a nice chair in the background, and I remember thinking, like, I know that this scene is important, but what if I had a terrace with a little chair? With a little chair and it's <laughs> yeah. flowers and plants, sparking the real thoughts. Mm, yeah, these are the, the, these real are the real important questions. issues. So once once he does go into this amazing office, Minifee's staff doesn't want to do the article and Minifee like doubles down he's like nope we're doing this this is the article and the reason is because they've done it several times before and it's never worked to no avail yeah it's always turned out to be like they haven't out. solved anti-semitism the only thing I can think of by it didn't work it'll <laughs> stick this time <laughs> we'll get them this time there that. is a moment though where uh Minifee I think he's like or I think Phil goes uh I'm Jewish myself and Mr. Minifee smiles and nods like that's how you do. That's how you become a Jewish person. Well done. He did it. <laughs> and then he's like, "That easy. This will just work." <laughs> Phil decides to start going by uh, Phil Green and Phil Greenberg, and he's gonna apply to different, just a whole bunch of random different things, different jobs, different organizations. He's gonna apply to kind of get an idea of. He's not applying. He's having his secretary oh, apply for oh, him. We I'm have sorry. to talk about her. <laughs> yes, we do. We have. You are 100%. I wish I had a secretary what? who could just do my bidding. I know. <laughs> He's like, do all, do all these 400 I'm tasks. I'm about to take I'm on all of this work. Here you go. Well, he, she says, she goes, as he's doing this, she goes, well, that's how I got my job. Because yeah. she's actually Jewish. I don't think it's apparent yet, but she's a self-hating Jewish person. Yeah. So she's got the like, internalized antisemitism. is one movie. of the reasons why I love, I mean, I don't know what you were about to say, Patrick, but I love this movie is that it's, yep. it's attacking it from all angles mm-hmm. because yeah, there is definitely prejudice even within the, the same self, same group. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. absolutely happens. That is totally reflecting life. I mean, I can, I can relate only on being female. I remember growing up and not wanting to, you know, run like a girl. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I would always try to like boy myself up because, oh, the girls are uh, that's lesser. 
I'm oh, guilty yeah. of it. We're all guilty oh, yeah. of it. Oh, I don't like that. That's a chick flick. Yeah. I'm I'm oh, I'm like not chi- like yeah. other girls. Exactly. I'm one exactly. of the cool ones. Mm. Yeah. And I remember even like saying and being proud of the fact that I had no close female friends. All my friends were guys. Ooh. Because ew. <laughs> yeah. Girls. No, it, that that stuff runs deep. It does. Also, so I can relate. Uh, girly drinks. Girly I'm drinks. Sorry. Yep. They are. I, sure. Bring them on. So much more are. alcoholic. Oh first my of all. god. Yes. <laughs> I feel like women delicious. were like. Yeah, let's call these girly drinks and we'll drink them, idiots. <laughs> There's so much Dumb more alcohol ass. and they taste so much better. Oh, yeah. Get the job done. More efficient. I did feel a little, I, I you know, again, like a 2022 lens. And again, I, I am not Jewish. I am a Unitarian, waspy, British lady. <laughs> not to say that there aren't British Jews. That's, I was just giving my own background. But I, I'm not Jewish is the point. And neither is June Havoc. And I did have a moment of being like, Mm, do I want to watch a non-Jewish man pretending to be a Jew yelling at a woman who is Jewish, who's played by someone who isn't a Jew for for saying offensive for for how she's conducting herself as a Jewish woman? Yeah, okay, I can see that. That yeah. is, uh, I can now it, see that. I, point. But I think yeah. it's complicated. I, I'm it not is. saying it shouldn't have happened. I think that it's like you said, like a really vital part of mm-hmm. exploring yeah. the topic. And I loved how complicated they made it. They weren't simplifying the issue. Mm-mm. They were taking it from all sides. What you just said is absolutely absolutely plays into several of the things that that happen in the movie. Right after this, we see a series of racist events or characters that point them themselves out to be racist. The doctor comes to check up on the mom, racist, says something about smoking, of course, and says something about you know the good. They're always like the good ones and the bad ones, and mm-hmm. talking about good Jews and bad Jews. Yeah, doesn't he not want to refer her to a specialist? Like he keeps. Saying all these names, oh, I know a good specialist. Yeah, Gregory Peck says, "Well, what about this Jewish Abrams. doctor?" And he's like, "Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, uh, you know." But <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, he he's probably going like, to try to steal your money. But the superintendent sees uh, Philip putting his name on the mailbox, and it's mm-hmm. Greenberg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, you got to ask for me to do. Uh, I don't want to say that I'm racist, but Greenberg looks pretty bad. I did think it was interesting. Yeah, I also kind of love that they focus more. Like, yes, there's there's blatant racists out there, but they focus a lot more on the people who think they're not. Yeah, yes. that's why this that movie was cool. is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, we have another date with Kathy. And they're at her place. It's <laughs> apropos. And they're like overlooking. Like she's got a view of the Queensboro Bridge again. Another amazing apartment. Took but- me a minute to figure out where she was because I thought that was the Brooklyn Bridge for a second. And I was like, "Are you telling me she lives on the Lower East Side and she harbors these?" <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a Excuse whole other level to watching this. If, if you're a New Yorker, <laughs> if you're that, a New I Yorker. don't know. <laughs> then I realized it was the Queensboro Bridge, and she was probably in like Murray Hill. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So That's wait, for those uh, for those of us who don't know what that means. A uh, difference between a neighborhood with a lot of Jewish immigrants and a uh, neighborhood with a lot of uh, Protestant C- Connecticut implants. Which, when they talk about uh, at the end where they're going to move up to Darien, that's where they're headed up to Darien, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. That's where the house is and her family is because they are Connecticut transplants. But during the scene, and several times throughout this, I wrote the note, is Kathy racist? Yes. And she is. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you agree. I am a lifelong Kathy hater. I listen. I don't hate her when I say that. I just mean I'm a hater about her. <laughs> I I just feel really strongly that there's somebody else you should have ended up with in this movie. I did have more nuance on it watching it now as a 31-year-old. But 
I grew up just everything she said. I was like, oh, Kathy, shut up. It's every time she opens her mouth, it like it gets worse. And this whole dinner is so awkward. He's picking up on how she feels. Mm-hmm. And she knows that how she feels is wrong. But she's like, I still feel this way. And he's disappointed. And, yeah. I think. I think he's I think he's disappointed that he's now going to have to deal with this in his relationship. And he was hoping he wouldn't have to. Yeah. I think right after this, they go, I guess I, I just... I should better. I better leave. And he leaves, and then has the moment of he comes right back and like gives mm-hmm. her a kiss. I'm like, oh, we'll we'll get through this. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the first times that I wrote down: Is she racist? Because there's there's a couple like examples that are coming up where she says things. I'm like, no, that's oh, that's. But that's, that's the, the opposite. point, though. Yeah, yeah, that's it the is. point. She is obviously a device, mm-hmm. and she still represents us. And I, mean, I, I respect her in a lot of ways because even though you can be anti-hate all day long, there's things you still don't know, and that's what she represents. This whole conversation about anti-Semitism is still happening today, and it's happening in an even broader sense of that multiple races are now having this conversation of, this is not right. Mm -hmm. We need to fix these things. And in all forms of racism, there are those people that are like, oh no, no, I'm not racist because I'm friends with so and so. I donate to, mm, I yeah. read the mm, paper. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, because you can cite an example does not mean you're a racist. It means that you're, you're, you're doing that to justify other mm-hmm. feelings. Well, that's why this movie is so interesting. And, and it says from the get-go that like they're not focusing on the people who are voting for the yep. like bordering on Nazi politicians. This movie is about the well-meaning white liberals who think that they have it all figured out but have so much more exactly. to go. And yeah, which I think so is so like amazing for this time so period. So amazing. Absolutely. It's right? frankly amazing now. Like yeah. it, It's crazy how much that message is needed these days as well. Minifee also does a great thing and like, really, we are embracing this article and we're going to fight this however we can. So he decides to put a, a help wanted ad out there and makes it very clear that we will not judge based on religion and your affiliation. We do. We as a company don't care. We are welcome to anyone to apply. And this is when Philip's secretary Cringy. yeah, is like, mm-hmm. oh, Miss Wales. Wales, thank you. She she says something like, you're going to get, everybody's going to apply, even the bad ones, I think is what she says. Something she like that. She basically says, yes. Yeah. yeah. She's like, loud, a little too much rouge, making us all look bad. And I love how he responds. He's like, they've never hired obnoxious people here. You're just qualifying. Like, you're basically saying all the rest are all obnoxious. I think what she's trying to say is, you know, if we get somebody who happens to be obnoxious, it makes us mm-hmm. all look a certain way. So that's right. what she's afraid of. She's also one of those people that um, she changed her name. She's passing. She's passing. And it's almost like the idea of uh, black people who are very light skinned, like, well, they, they can pass as white. And the world for them is a different world than someone who is darker skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, no one would look at her and go, ah, Miss Wales, you're clearly Jewish. She's passing is not Jew because she's using a different name. She's actively participating. And she's depending on that privilege to survive. And Mm -hmm. I don't disrespect that. She's embraced it. Like she's got in a way like she's got to do what she's got to do. But it's also really complicated. Then we go to this nice party scene. And then this is when I wrote my first note about Anne. 
do you think she's trying to break up Phil and Kathy? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, totally. She literally like, just double checking her arm in and is like, "I'll yeah. walk you in." I and, love her. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do too. So like, good. <laughs> so good. She's great. I think she's such a well-written and such a well-acted, mm-hmm. full, full. Character. I love her. I think mm-hmm. that there's so yeah. much to her, and it and so much of it is said in just like short sentences or like eyebrow lifts like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. disappointment that she feels when she says are you are you guys serious and he says we're gonna get married any day now and the disappointment that flashes across her face really quick before she slaps the mask on and then as as most i feel like it always happens in movies where like well we had a great time at the party now it's time to just ruin the mood because he he tells kathy what's going on she knows that he's doing this but they're engaged now well i mean it's been a week so been a whole week let's speed this along here i mean what are we doing what are we what doing are we right? doing here it's, <laughs> why are we not married already oh we this is where we see another example of kathy's racism because she doesn't want to tell her family or she wants to tell her family that he's really not jewish because then it's okay mm-hmm. that they're getting married yeah for her to and, bring her home. and i also like i see it for that i also want to add i also see a little bit of her side because she's like well we're gonna go lie to my family about who you mm-hmm. are and if she led with that, I'd be more on. She her does side. It. Yeah. But instead, she yeah. was like, "Some people, it won't cause a scene." Yeah. And they have a big argument after this, and they're all very pouty and angry with each other because he's unwavering. He does not want to tell. He's hardcore. Yeah. This is again. He's and I to do it. think that he could be a little more empathetic to specifically the listen. I get that it's going to be awkward for you to explain to your family that I'm a whole different religion than I said I was and and a lie is maybe a weird way to start yes. a familial relationship like he does, he could be more empathetic to that specific part of it he could have been I think I think the other part is too upsetting for him and I love how as an actress she performed this like she says something retract oh yeah uh, yeah retract 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 uh she like does the a defensiveness. beautiful job she did she yeah. does a, an exquisite job with that Getting sort of defensive. constant navigating mm. and where she's yeah. catching herself it's like not mm-hmm. even him she was carrying that whole the whole thing that whole confrontation and like herself he just was looking at her with judgment and she's like i mean uh I, no i'm an, i'm a good person i'm t- i mean yeah <laughs> i love jewish people i love great. them i love jewish people I, i'm They're friends great. with one of them <laughs> yeah, i just friend like, don't want to bring them jewish. to my mom's house is that weird <laughs> when they do go to the engagement party there's several people that don't go and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah. something suddenly came up and they had to go to this thing. So was it that they made up an excuse or was it that uh, the sister purposefully didn't invite them? I think Kathy says something to the sister like, oh, you sent them away or something like that. So I wonder, was it the sister's decision or the people? If the sister had told the people, then that's a whole mess that she would have to mm-hmm. deal with later. Oh, you know what? I don't. I don't know. She may have made up an excuse. That's and a good just question. For, for Phil and for Kathy. Oh, they had plans. And this is where I where Phil lost me a tiny bit because I might, I, I may be reading too much into it, but I think he was disappointed they weren't there because he wanted the drama. <laughs> Probably. He did. I think that makes he, sense. I think he's relishing the drama a little bit, and that is not necessarily why he should be well, doing this. Well, and to build on that, I think because he didn't get that 
that interaction, that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next is there's like two days till the wedding, and they're supposed to go to Flume Inn, which then Anne just <laughs> mocks them mercilessly, and I love it. And it's like, I'm sorry, you're going where? Mm, where are you going? <laughs> like you're going to Niagara Falls. <laughs> it's restricted, <laughs> which means that this is the gentleman's agreement. We don't actually say that we don't allow Jewish people, but we all know, wink, wink, mm-hmm. that we don't welcome Jewish people. To push the story along, the mom has a stroke. Leave her alone, screenwriter. The wedding is now postponed, so Phil goes up to Flume Lake by himself to basically call them out. The questions he asks to the front desk are so leading. Like, are he actually says he's like, "Are you are you restricted?" They're like, "Well, uh, yeah." He says it blatantly, and they're like, yeah. "Well, we, uh, I mean, do you, where do you uh, stand?" Let me get my manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to oh, answer this question. We don't actually have a room. Oh, whoopsie. Yeah. Lady and whoopsie. Uh, yeah, as soon as he says, well, the I'm more Jewish. he tries to fight it, the louder he gets, the more he's mis- misrepresenting. Mm-hmm. Oh, now yeah. we have grounds to have you leave the premises because you're out of control. Yeah. You're a And they basically just like ring the bell for the bellhop and like turn their back on him. <gasps> the guy just rings the, the bell. And the bellhop picks up the bag Dismissed. and moves it out of the hotel. And that's it. The bell was it like was amazing. So but that's an example yeah. of him like trying to force this. It is 100% great that he experienced this, but he's still f- trying to force some sort of altercation based on being he Jewish. He is, but yeah. he's also still a writer. Yes. Who has right. to get the story and he right. has to know, he has to be able to have grounds. I asked this, this is what happened. You're right. Yeah. I also have a, a weird observation. Ties in the 1940s were really weird. <laughs> it's like a big, actually. It's not. Maybe it makes you like taller. Tie? It was... I just, I'm I, halfway I through. I was like, why are they so Just a weird? little, it was a little just guy, a, little buddy. Just, <laughs> I don't know. Just wanted to throw that out there. Also, I noticed this movie is also a film of just grandiose speech after grandiose speech about how bad anti-Semitism is. Because they each have one. And like his mom has one. His mom has several mm-hmm. throughout. He has several. Mr. Minifee has several. There's a lot of these big speeches because when he comes back from there, his mom goes on. And and, this, and during the speech, actually uses the name of the movie and calls it a gentleman's agreement in the speech. About, and I, like, I know. There was a little part of me that was like, yeah, oh, you did it. Drink. Yeah, exactly. Oh, drink. Drink. You did it. <laughs> and, then, and then right after this, I saw this coming from the beginning. And it's, it's so – I like this movie because they kind of tease the idea of, well, how is this going to affect his son, Tommy? You're not like mm. waiting for it, but you know it's going to happen. And then – Chekhov's, Chekhov's Tommy. Tommy. You throw a Tommy on the ground, you got to use it by <laughs> the end of Act 3. He's made fun of uh, at school for being Jewish, and then this is where Kathy again That's shows it. her ignorance. I don't want to say true colors. It's ignorance. It, it, yeah, yeah, she doesn't know. She says to him, it's okay, because you can just tell them that you're not Jewish, because oh, you're not really Jewish. You're not. It's not true. <sighs> yeah. How dare they say yeah, that about you? Yeah, just be like, you. no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not really Jewish. And then Phil, like... And I had the same visceral response that he had because I work with children and, and, I, and I was just like, that's, God, yeah. you immediately wanted to just be like, no, you yeah, didn't hear that. Yeah, not going to help. Yeah. No. Um, Phil is yeah. so angry at her and she, she doesn't know what she did because she doesn't understand how ignorant yeah. she is. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, I'm not racist. But at the same time, you're, you're happy that you are not that person yeah but she just yeah. it just doesn't sink in the only thing she's experiencing is this guy is just constantly yelling at me i can't yeah. live constantly. like this everything that comes out of my mouth yeah is satan 
to yeah. that's her line she says she says I won't marry into shouting mm-hmm. and nerves and mm-hmm. that's when I'm like oh yeah no me that's, neither Kathy which works. by the way good, good for, for you. you if that's yeah. how you feel don't get into that marriage yeah, yeah. She also says, um, you know, I'm just everything I do is wrong and I'm, I'm tired of always being an anti-Semite, like which which is where she loses me a little because I'm like, all right, well, then there's something to it. There's a common okay. denominator to address. Okay. Yeah. But she's not wrong that it's really hard to learn when you're constantly being yeah. punished. Yeah. I mean, everything she does and, say, he's like, nope, you're wrong. And she makes the complicated point when she says she's glad that she's not Jewish. She doesn't mean that she thinks that she's better than being a, a Jewish person. She She's saying that she knows it's easier, which in a roundabout way is acknowledging privilege. And mm-hmm. that's a big Huge step. step. Mm-hmm. Huge step. It's murky to navigate. And I don't think that he is up for the murkiness. Maybe the reason I'm I'm a Kathy hater. And again, don't hate her. I'm just a hater about her is because I, I can be that same sort of like knee jerk, mm-hmm. hyper judgmental, like immediately shut down, won't have the difficult conversations because I'm just like, no, nope, no, nope, that is that is wrong and bad. <laughs> And I, um, I get anxiety from the murkiness, and I identify, I, I identify with Phil in that way. Um, but it's not conducive to bettering the people around no. him. And thank goodness Hollywood made a movie like this to show that to show all the sides. And thank goodness for yeah. Dave, who finally gets her Dave to click does in. It. He does. Yeah, um, <laughs> he actually is the one who turns the light bulb on over her head. He, I, he sits her down, and he saves their relationship. And he says it nicely. He doesn't yell at her. With, you know, Dave does say something to her, which I think this is the thing that makes it click. Okay, great. Mm. You're against racism. You're anti-racist is basically what he says, which is huge for Mm. 1947. But what did you do to stop it when you saw it happening? Nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. You're not helping stop it, but you're also kind of enabling it by not doing anything. And that's where it kind of clicks for her, I think. That scene is it's so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so well acted. So yes. Well written. The scene that's that's Oof. countering that is Phil and Anne have a scene. I would love for the two of you to watch this video. It's short. I'm pressing play okay. now. Feeling better? Yeah. Good. You almost smiled a minute ago. So multiple times throughout this movie, I'm like, Someone is doubling down on the Foley, and this scene, <laughs> this I did get distracted was the, by that. the yeah. best example of the worst. <laughs> she puts sugar in there, and during the scene, you just hear, it's so bad. It's like she was sending him to the sunken it's so, place. Oh, it's so bad. It was the world's tiniest coffee cup. The teeniest little espresso. I mean, it's actually and just sugar like, in there. I was kind of picturing... Yeah, <laughs> the, the sugar cube would took up the whole space, and she was trying to stir it around the cube, and that's why it was so loud. So that just <gasps> made me laugh a whole lot. I wanted to share that with both yeah, of you. Yeah, it's funny. Anyway. This was a sad scene. This was yeah. sad. This scene, she, she confesses her love for him, and I don't think it's requited. No. She goes on this whole long thing. You're, you know, Kathy's not good for you. You and I are better built for each other, this and that. She spills mm-hmm. her heart to him. He gets very defensive. And he's still kind of got a cold removed, which of course he does. They just, his marriage just sure. broke up. Yeah. Just broke up. And you're coming in a little too soon. You might want him to heal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Actually, you might want him to be attracted to you in the first place. Details. Yeah. But she confesses her feelings and he says at the end, are you proposing? 
And she says, I think I am or something like she along says, those lines. And then it maybe. ends. And then like she just disappeared. Like, what? And then there's no more Anne. What happened? What happened? And, and I'm so in, I'm so invested. I just want I like an Anne series after this because she she talks about how like everybody loves Anne. She's fun. She's a really good time. But she's unhappy because she wants him. And I have expected. I'm like, oh, are they together now? Are they going to marry? This is really weird. I don't feel any chemistry from his side. What's happening? And then she's just gone. gone. It just must be so hard. To be somebody who, and you know, I don't mean to go on a diatribe, but like <laughs> this is this is where my sort of frustration with the romantic arc of this movie comes from. I really sympathize with Anne because it's got to be hard to be a woman who's in the exact same place as he is in terms of values, in terms of moral firmness, fortitude, in terms of strength, and still have him choose the sort of girl he can boss around it's Um, disappointing it's disappointing because at some point something will probably if they were to get together something would probably come up that she'd have to tell him about and i think that he knows that and that's why he's not interested and that that's not an indictment of his character i really think genuinely that what him and kathy have is a very intense chemical like i really think they're very physically attracted to each other i think they um speak the same language and understand each other in a way that is very exciting to both of them but also, she's somebody he can teach. I, I, I don't mean to generalize in any way. That's fine. Um, but l- let's just say at the time, especially, men were just more interested in a in a yeah. nice girl that they could teach some lessons to rather than a girl who already had it figured out. And it's got to be really frustrating being somebody as gorgeous and vivacious and interesting and beloved as Anne and still never be picked because this the simpering girls mm-hmm. get chosen. You know what I mean? And and that's not a not like other girls quip, although I think she may feel that way a little bit. But just just even even this guy who they're so on the same page as each other isn't interested in somebody as tough as her. They're so much more like equals than he and Kathy. Well, also, but- we're like a couple years away from the civil rights movement. You think this has been hard with Kathy? <laughs> Buckle up, buddy. He's going to have to drag her <laughs> up through that. And and it would just be a lot less work with Ash. <laughs> yeah. Some people like a project. It's a project, all right. Then again, what Kathy does is incredibly brave for her specific situation. Uh-huh. And so that deserves respect as well. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's a <Sure>. hater. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, but throughout this whole thing, I'm like, is Kathy racist? Kathy's a racist. What is he doing with yeah, Kathy? Yeah. Anne's awesome. Whatever. It also boils down to just like storytelling and Hollywood, and you've planted the yeah, seed at yeah, the beginning, nice. so let's watch this story unfold, and it's, they have to end up together. Mm-hmm. But well, it, and if I hate to say it, but if if Kathy didn't end up with him at the end, I really get the feeling that she would just slingshot back the other way. Like, I think she'd be like, see what happens when I try to be woke? I get dumped. Yeah. Even <laughs> fake Jews are bad. That, that's 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 a stretch. May, I don't, maybe she wouldn't be like that, but it, it, occur, it did occur to me. But anyway, so we're back to those two aren't talking. Kathy and Phil are not talking to each other, and they each want the other one to call. The article has also come out, and everyone's reading the article and loves the article. Oh, my God, the article's amazing. And Dave, go ahead. <laughs> Can we talk about the title? <laughs> I was Jewish for six weeks. I feel like the title is a little – I mean, I get Jewish what it was supposed to do. Everybody's like, oh, wait, he, he was pretending to be Jewish for six or eight weeks sure. or however long it was. But it's kind of, I guess, not the it's best not title. It's not the best title. It's a it's bad also title. like, <laughs> yeah. 
and I feel like a Jewish person reading this would be like, mm-hmm, okay, you sure. what now? <laughs> We're famously a difficult tribe to join, so... Uh, that's mm-hmm. not how that works. How that works what, out. What yes. rabbi allowed this? <laughs> but, but Dave kind of... I think Dave, in fact, I know Dave is the one that keeps him together because Dave has that talk with Kathy and then Dave talks to yeah. Phil and says, you know, he's he's got a job. He's accepting a job. So he's going to be around. So Phil's got his friend Dave in town and says that Kathy's going to be moving in with her sister next door to make sure that they're treated well by the neighbors. So Kathy is right. she's she's, she's joined the revolution. Well, I mean, she's got two strikes in her favor because, number one, she actually calls Dave mm-hmm. to dinner. She gets out of her funk to be mm-hmm. like, hey, what am I doing yeah. wrong? Yeah. Like Which she actually does that on dope. her own. Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah. There is something to be said for that. And then he flips the light on over her head and then she does the second yeah. good Which deed. Which is like, I'm going to help. Right. Because did did we talk about the fact that she's got a cottage and he needs a place to live where he's going to lose There's his also job? That. And yeah. so that, that's what broke them up, wasn't it? Ultimately was that she wasn't going to give it to what him? What broke him up was the... The, when the when his, Tommy was getting right, but then but they also talked about the fact that she was like, "Listen, it will be horrible for him, so I can't let him." Oh stay. yes, oh, there's right, that too. Right, right. And, and I'm not he was racist. Like, I don't want him to be uncomfortable. Right, and he was like, like but... "He's going to lose his job, dude." Once Phil hears that she's kind of like you said, she's done two two good things, and the last mm-hmm. being that I'm gonna I'm gonna move in with my sister and just near where Dave is, and basically. Not protect them, because that sounds a little white savior, but I'm going to look out and make sure that other people know that this is not acceptable. These are good people. We need to stop this. I'm going to protect yeah. them. Um, she's going to, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to stop being passive because Dave calls her out on that. And so Phil is like, that's the, there she is. And so they reconcile. And and it is a it, it is an arc. I mean, it is growth. And that is, it, it's incredibly compelling and so well acted. That mm-hmm. I, I can't remember her name, the actress. But she's uh, that plays uh, Dorothy McGuire, is... who plays... Um, Dorothy McGuire. Um, there's also something about that last sh- uh, shot, the mom's speech. We see now done much better, but it's a very... It's, I don't want to say it's a very slow, but it's a slow pull in. Like yeah, push but in. it's really mm. jerky and awkward and not done well. <laughs> They were figuring but it out. At the time, like, yeah, uh, I realized Hollywood in general. <laughs> Some guy named Bill yeah. with it on his shoulder going, don't breathe. Don't Tripped breathe. over the cat. Why is there a cat here? <laughs> They're like moving together in unison. Uh, Hollywood is starting to, and I say Hollywood in general because we've got some directors that are already mm-hmm. doing this. Hitchcock does it well. Um, Billy Wilder does it well. But in general, mm-hmm. more directors are starting to understand how to tell a story with the camera instead of let the camera view the story. Let's actually use it as a tool to tell the story. And so zooming in or, or pushing in on her, like that's it's it's you don't quite got it yet, but <laughs> but it was it's a you can we see it now all the time, and it's a great just yeah. tool that directors use and and DPs use. I feel like they were starting to do that around Casablanca. They were. But again, like yeah. it's using lighting. Certain to tell the directors story. Are, are picking up on it, and now we're starting to see more and more. It's 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 more prevalent, which is <laughs> it's gonna catch on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to say at the end they live happily ever after, but at least we know that they're on similar. They get back together. They get back together. They're on similar footing and beliefs. And they're both so relieved. Until the next time she says I'm Something stupid. <laughs> Overall, I loved it. Yeah, and I really like this movie. A plus, yeah. A plus, guys. I like this. It one. was love, worth love, the three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. It was. I rented it too. Well, it was. <laughs> yeah. Totally worth it. Well done. Um. So, 
the next section, unless anybody else has something to add about the film. I do. Oh, yes, Laura. Anne Rivere, Rivere. She was only actually 12 years older than Gregory oh. Peck. Oh, wow. But you know, that little gray streak in her uh, hair. Hollywood. Really... Grandma. I was listening to the Mrs. Miniver episode you guys did, and I was like, whoa, two years apart. Uh-huh. Okay. And then she married uh, yep. the guy that played her son or something like that. Yeah. And then Gregory crazy. Peck married the woman who played his mom. That's not well, true. But what Hollywood. if it was? There was a moment. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Can I say one more thing about why I love Anne? Please. Please. Because she wants to marry him th- believing that he's Jewish and has oh, zero, yeah. not one single qualm about it. And then when she finds out that it was a ruse for an article, she processes it and is in full support. Like, she's mm-hmm. just so accepting she's of who good, he is. a good, good character and a good person. Yeah. 100% and on I board. I just want her to be happy. <laughs> Well, this is now the section of our podcast where uh, we like to highlight a quote or two, whatever you've got. I've already said all of them. That's the thing. There's a lot of, there are a lot of good quotes in here. But uh, uh, as our guest, Alexandra, would you like to go first? Was there one that just stuck out to you? Well, looks like I got a slug grandma. (laughs) I second that. That was me too. Because that was like the first time I was like, wait, did he just say that? Number one and number two. Oh, we're in for a good time. <laughs> oh, that's so this movie's going to be my humor. Oh, he yes. likes his mom. Okay. So good. <laughs> I love it. What about you, Patrick? Because I loved Anne so much. And I lo- mm. she had so many great lines. But uh, at the end, they're out to they're out to drink and she's talking about all these jokes that she tells and she, she tells us a quick little like, I mean, it's a dad joke. And she's like, once I tried to let a smile be my umbrella. I got awful wet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. She has so many good lines. I love her. She's so good. Yeah. Fantastic. And I also loved, um, you got to come to this party. There will be girls there. And people. <laughs> we're Americans. And people. No, no one hates us because we're <laughs> no Americans. Hates us. There are so many good quotes. It's just, it's a quotable film. It is. Well, now's the time on the podcast where we talk about what we would like to drink while Yay! watching said movie. I was hoping. You looked so excited. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so Alexander, we do like to we like to ask our guests to go first, but you don't have to. But did you is there a drink that you yourself would drink along with this? I oh whatever oh whatever Anne's drinking in her little tiny cup. <laughs> oh a cup a very tiny coffee an with a giant martini, cube of but sugar. So small. Oh, all right. And a, a giant an es- spoon. An espresso martini so small with a sugar cube so big. I can do that. <laughs> oh, I bet you I can. can. I bet you can, Patrick. I believe in you. I can you. do that. I can do that. You can do it. <laughs> what about you, Patrick? What would you drink? So I think I'm going to actually go with The Journalist, which is one that I actually found. Oh. Um, and it's uh-huh. a gin drink. It's got gin, both vermouths, Grand Marnier, and lemon juice. Um, mm. And uh, I have no idea how it tastes. But I figured he does drink martinis in it. And so... There's a lot of martini drinks. A lot of martini. I, I felt like that was the standard. Anytime they in went to like size a size appropriate glasses. Except I that last that. one. Yeah. So I was like, mm, yeah. the, the journalist is a, is a take on a martini. So I'm going to go That's with... That's excellent. That covers two bases. Uh, Lauren, how about you? So I thought about martini, but felt like that was a bit on the nose. Thanks. But good thing that yours st- is uh, made with gin, because mine is also made with gin. Mm. Uh, it is called the Mazel Tov ah, cocktail hey. recipe, because Mazel Tov to this movie, I enjoyed <laughs> it so much. And it's super easy. So you can do... Um, you combine... Uh, Manischewitz wine with gin 
and then just a little twist of lime. Hey, that's easy. So you got the best of all the worlds. You've already got the gin great. going. That does sound good. Yeah, right? That sounds like it would taste really good. Right, because I think, I don't know that I've ever tried Menashevitz, but I feel like it's a sweet one. I think, I think it's so. a, Yeah, if I remember correctly, it's on the sweeter side. So yeah. I want you to make this for me, Patrick, all right. and all right. we'll drink. I'm a, I'm a fan and of And when you come to California, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a whole bunch of them. Yay! Well, that about wraps it up for us. Alexandra, before we officially end this, is there anything or is there any place that people can find you online if they're interested in following your exploits? Why, yes, Patrick. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I have a TikTok. I do comedy and I talk about movies and TV and things on there. And it's at Alexandra Wide Eyes. I'm also at Alexandra Wide Eyes on Instagram and at Alex Wide Eyes on TikTok. Um, I like to get ahead of the joke before other people make it. Good. About the fact that I... Big ass eyes. Can I make um, a can yeah. I make a little comment? Please. It's kind of a known thing. I love wide set eyes. The wider the better. Anybody Thanks. I've ever, ever been attracted to have had wide set eyes. So good job. Oh my gosh. It's happening. It's beautiful. Well done. Well done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you very much. You have beautiful eyes as well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to go because something's happening here. <laughs> we need a little moment, Patrick. <laughs> uh, well, this has been awesome. Uh, Alexandra, truly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm very excited to talk about a movie that I love with cool With people. the man you love. With the man you with love. With the man I love. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Remember to rate, subscribe, leave a review, follow us on Instagram at the Award Goes To Podcast, and join us next time where Hollywood has decided that we've uh, had it easy with shorter running films, because I think these have been under <laughs> two hours. So we'll be diving into Shakespeare's two and a half hour long Hamlet starring Lawrence Olivier. Oh. Yeah, get snacks. <laughs> Just bring snacks. Oh. That reminds me of mom. Don't come in here all looking like Hamlet. I'm fine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. Fake angina. I had a little lady whoopsie.